So it is certainly on the rise, the way we see it. It's becoming more increasingly more violent and it is becoming increasingly open. The brutal rape of eight women near a mine dump in Krugersville has brought to the fore the serious threat that illegal mining poses for the country. Now, with communities up in arms, police have promised to crack down on Zamazamas. Is this enough and will it curb illegal mining? Hi, I am Rochelle Boeta and welcome to Deep Insights, brought to you by Mining Review Africa. In this episode, Senior Editor Gerard Peter chats to Tabelo Shabane, Senior Executive of Public Affairs and Transformation at Minerals Council South Africa, about why illegal mining is not only detrimental to communities, but also to the economy at large. With this criminal activity on the rise, is there a solution in sight? Let's join the conversation. Tabelo, thank you for joining us today on Deep Insights. Now, I guess it is sad indeed that it has taken the rape of eight women to highlight the seriousness of illegal mining. In your view, just how big is the problem? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, we are uh, you know, really appalled um, by the rape of the eight women. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it was very tragic. It's a horrible incident. But it has certainly highlighted, um, you know, how broken our society is and some of the challenges that we face, um, certainly relating to, uh, you know, illicit mining. Now, the, the mining sector in South Africa is, is, you know, is a critical component of South Africa's economy. I mean, we call it the flywheel of the economy. And yet it is plagued by um, criminal syndicates, um, that comprise extortion mafia, uh, copper theft mafia, and those are that are involved in the mining of you know, illegal uh, mining of products from operating mines at times, and also from these um, derelict and ownerless mines, and also from um, old mine dumps. In fact, you even see it on um, virgin deposits. Uh, and, and it's happening quite a large scale on virgin, virgin deposits in South Africa. So it is really quite extensive. Now, Tabela, this, this, is, this is not a new problem in the country. In fact, you know, there's been reports of warnings of, uh, you know, to, to curb the spread of illegal mining. But is it on the rise at the moment? You're right that it's not a new issue. It's not a new topic. Clearly, uh, mining has taken place, you know, in South Africa on the continent for, for centuries, right? And um, yes, we've seen a lot of um, artisanal mining since, you know, time immemorial, so to speak. And, and, and you know, of late, you've had the more industrialized type of mining. But Illegal mining, I mean, you know, unlawful mining has certainly also been there for some time, but it is on the increase in the South African context. And uh, we're noticing it uh, primarily, as I said, a lot more extensive on these onerous and derelict mines, but we're seeing a lot more of it on these, um, you know, virgin deposits. And um, where South Africa is slightly different to other, con- you know, other countries on the continent is that you're seeing it at a call it large scale or industrial 
scale um, illegal mining where the the miners are have you know 10 to 20 uh, you know heavy earth moving equipment at their disposal um, and they're doing so illegally out there in the open. The other component um, that is also hitting South Africa hard and where South Africa is maybe slightly different to other parts of the, the continent of the world is that the you know illegal mining in the South African context is very violent. And um, we have uh, the Zamazamas on the ground, as we call them, the illegal miners, but they are part of these uh, gangs uh, and syndicates that have access to um, clearly equipment. They they help them with their supplies, but also to um, automatic uh, machine guns, uh, firearms, weapons, and you know they utilize them uh, quite effectively uh, to fend off you know other you know other gangs from their particular properties. They also utilize them um, to fend off the police. Um, or those that are trying to apprehend them, you know, from committing these illegal acts. So it is certainly on the rise, the way we see it. It's becoming more increasingly more violent, and it is becoming increasingly open, especially the industrial scale illegal mining. Now, Tabelo, you you mentioned, you know, uh, that syndicates are involved. So clearly, Zamazamas are not working on their own. So can you give us an overview of how this all works? Because, I mean, you mentioned getting equipment, access to 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 weapons, uh, but how do they manage to traffic these illegal minerals as well? So I want to draw the distinction uh, within the illegal mining context to um, small scale artisanal mining. Yeah. So you do get those people trying to eke out an existence um, from the underground or open workings, mostly open workings, actually artisanal, uh, because the underground tends to be a lot more uh, syndicate related. So those on the open um, workings um, that, given the opportunity, might even legalize their operations or their activities. Okay, so. They are non-violent, and uh, these are members of the community really trying to eke out existence. I distinguish that from what we have prevalent in South African context taught the Zamazamas, where the Zamazamas are one layer of the criminal scheme. They are actually the bottom layer of it, you know. So they are the um, underground workers, primarily um, um, undocumented um, immigrants um, from places like, you know, maybe Lesotho, a lot of them are Lesotho nationals because a lot of them have worked in the mines and underground and actually understand South Africa's underground mine network very well. They have this mining experience and they know how to to do to, to, to mine and use chemicals, you know, to refine the product. So that's the one layer. And then you have above that the, the gangs that actually support them or even in instances, the illegal mine bosses that support them, they get them the equipment, they get them the guns, um, they protect them. They're the ones that are involved in the, you know, bringing that, you know, or, you know, artillery or firepower, you know, to fend off, uh, um, you know, attacks by by police, by rival gangs. They're the ones that help them with, you know, setting up booby traps. 
for for anybody that wants to come in their workings and even on active mines for operational mines. So there, there you've got that layer. And then above that, you have the, they on sell the product to local syndicates that have um, legitimate licenses at times for the product that they deal with. Now, so these three layers that I've explained are all usually in a South African context, they are local. So, so now this product goes to these local syndicates that now deal with the you know precious commodities or bulk commodities that have been sourced from illegal mines. And then they give those to the exporters. Um, the exporters, uh, either local or international, are clearly getting the goods overseas, then to the international um, buyers and distributors that are clearly also overseas. So it's a multi-layer organization. You know, the higher you go up the organization, the more organized it is. And, and, and that's essentially how some of these criminal syndicates um, operate. Mm. That's very interesting indeed. Now, I, I want to go back to the incidents in Krugersdorp. Um, and following that, uh, you know, Police Minister Bekezele has a promise to be tough on Zamazamas, uh, even alluding to the shoot to kill uh, strategy that he's mentioned before. Um, is that the right way to, to, to address this problem? Look, I'm not familiar with the uh, shoot to kill um, strategy, um, but but certainly uh, focusing on dealing with illicit mining is the right way to go. Um, they do have to clamp down, they do have to make the arrests, but more importantly, we've got to follow through with the prosecutions. Now, we have been saying for some time now that um, you know, we need a specialist unit within the police that focuses on um, illegal uh, mining and some of the illegal activity that um, that impacts on, on, on the mining sector. Uh, because it, it's one thing to have the police uh, as, you know, the, the first responders on a site, um, but they are outnumbered, they are outgunned and at, and at times, you know, outwitted. What I mean by that is that the, the Zamazamas um, are there in large numbers. They, they are carrying um, automatic rifles and they have the support of, at times, um, people with military training. For instance, even the Lesotho government has admitted that some of their defense, former defense force members are involved in illegal mining in South Africa. So, you know, if the police pitch up there on a site with one or two bands, they cannot deal with a gang of heavy armed um, people with military training. They, they just are totally out, out, outgunned. And, and also, they don't, they tend not to go underground. Firstly, they don't have the equipment to be able to go safely underground and or even the know-how to go safely underground. So they it's it's very difficult for them to be very effective there. Yes, higher up with the um if you get a, as a, that, that hierarchy that we spoke of in terms of the criminal syndicates, you have the 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 hawks uh operating there. Um I mean the hawks as you know are the directorate for of um priority crimes and investigations. So so they yeah. deal with higher up in the syndicates. But 
you do need um, a special task force that understands how these syndicates works. They are equipped to be able to deal with these syndicates. They, they are trained to be able to recognize minerals, um, you know, to know the difference between, you know, chrome and just rocks uh, while it is being um, transported. Um, but that also then needs to be supported with appropriate legislation um, that criminalizes uh, and punishes certain, you know, illegal mining uh, related crimes and the possession of certain, you know, um, uh, illegal material. So you do need a bit of support. So you need that specialist um, task force that develop the knowledge and the know-how, the training, and you need that um, the legislative environment to actually support them. So it is actually uh, quite an involved um, process that actually needs to be implemented. And and then secondly, you know, the, the, they, they need to be able to develop and gather intelligence on, on what's happening. A lot of the police might not even know the ringleaders of these various um, gangs that are there. So again, it, it it takes time of people being on a particular case that gets to you know when they get to understand who are the ringleaders, how do they operate, and and when they go into communities uh, where these guys operate, um, and and yes, at times you know we say the communities have a love hate relationship. With, um, with the Zamazamas, they draw a livelihood um, from their activities, but they also, you know, and, and impede the, the police from act actively carrying out their duties, but they also adversely impacted um, by this uh, illegal mining activity in many, many respects, you know, the environment, the water, there's a lot of uh, drug use, prostitution, uh, general corruption, there's extortion, human trafficking um, and 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 you know I haven't even spoken about the impact that 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 illegal mining has on operating mines in terms of undermining you know infrastructure underground uh, extortion threats on security and other mine personnel to to help the illegal miners to go underground um, they also the Zamazamas um, start fires uh, underground, they make the workplace unsafe to work. And, 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 and a lot of the mine rescue services, a lot of their time is spent now on extracting the bodies of Zamazamas. So it, it, it really involves quite a concerted uh, thought through effort, uh, um, not just a shoot to kill, uh, but I mean, I, I don't think that the Minister of Police was saying, well, that's the only thing that they're going to be doing. I just this just gives you an idea. Yeah, I just want to I just want to touch on the communities, though, uh, Tabelo, and um, <clears throat> you mentioned the sort of love hate relationship with the Zamazamas. But there were a, a number of violent protests following um, the incident at Kruger's Dorp. Um, is this a, a sense that the communities actually don't have much faith in the police and leading on from that, should there be maybe a military intervention? You know, it's it's difficult to speak about a, a particular community um, with any authority. 
in particular, like the one there near the uh, dumps there in Krugersdorf. Hmm. But, you know, generally speaking, as I said, you know, there is this um, odd relationship in that um, some of the community members do actually draw livelihood from some of the illegal mining activities. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, we have cases where, in some instances, they really, really actively uh, impede the police from being able to attach equipment belonging to the illegal miners, um, getting intelligence and, and accessing the neighborhoods. So we've definitely seen those elements and it, and it actually happens quite, 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 quite often. But you can understand that in some instances, these um, Zamazamas present such a hazard uh, to the lives of communities. I mean, in the instance where you have eight women being raped, um, there you can clearly see there that these particular, the Zamazamas in this area were particularly uh, a hazard to this community. Now, we've only got, what we are hearing is probably the tip of the iceberg. I did mention the, the other impacts that they have in these communities um, relating to drug use and prostitution. Um, you know, they, they, they are often armed. Uh, yeah, they, they're the ones that frequent the Sabines. And uh, so they do corrupt the, the locals, um, impact their culture. They, um, you know, they, they bring in, you know, the human trafficking element and that people, including young kids, are brought into the mines. There is a lot of extortion that happens. You know, they do threaten um, people to do X, Y, and Z, uh, or else. And 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 as I said, you know, with also with the environmental pollution, they, you know, they, for instance, on the mine on the gold mining side, they use mercury to 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 extract the gold. Now this poisons the water supplies. So so there's a lot of harm that the illegal mining does to any particular community, which which is really enough to get communities up in arms. So if they feel that they're not getting uh, the requisite assistance from the police, which is clearly the case in, in this particular instance, um, the, the community's members have been saying that, gee, they have been dealing with these challenges for some time, the police are not acting. They will um, then resort to vigilantism. Clearly, we do not condone it. Um, we would rather um, have the situation where the police uh, you know, capacitate themselves and actually take action in those communities because that's the right way to do it. The vigilantism is not really going to deal with the with the with the issue. But 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 yes, I mean, to the extent that the community stops cooperating, stops harboring um, the illegal uh, immigrants, and and takes a stand in that regard. Uh, but I mean, clearly a non-violent stand um, that could probably work in their favour. Absolutely. That's a very interesting point you make there. Tabella, I want to look at things on a larger scale and, you know, the South African economy. Um, and how, how much do you have an idea of how much money we are losing because of illegal money mining? It's, it's, it really, really is difficult to say because, I mean, remember, this activity is clandestine. It's illegal. Uh, it takes place underground behind closed doors so it's very difficult to, to put a figure to it but as you can imagine it runs into billions um, it runs into billions and so we as a South African society is losing out an immense amount of money loss of revenue taxes royalties to the fiscus you know the um, 
you know, these these are all you know things that should be going to making our lives better, and and that is why we as a as a as a minerals council are absolutely pushing for one the legalization of those that want to uh, do legal mining because they must do so responsibly with due regard to the environmental laws, employ people, pay their taxes. But the um, the, the majority of illegal mining that takes place of, uh, is a criminal activity and must be dealt with uh, firmly as a criminal activity. Tipela, I want to ask you with regards to mining companies, is there somewhat a partial responsibility on their side to ensure that illegal mining doesn't continue, particularly when it comes to uh, old mine, old mine sites, uh, ensuring that mines are shut down uh, correctly? So let's talk about the responsibility of the operating mines. Yeah. Um, but the, we have to contextualize it with the, um, what we have in the South African context. I mean, these ownerless and derelict mines, the, uh, something like 6,100 of them. Now, some of these mines date back to 100 years plus ago. So I mean, you can imagine, uh, you know, back then there were no environmental provisions. In, in fact, you know, there, there really uh, more stringent environmental and rehabilitation provisions came in with the MPRDA, the Minerals of Petroleum Development Resources Act. Um, and, and, and it's only then that the, the mines had these uh, quite stringent obligations relating to uh, concurrent rehabilitation and putting money aside for closure. But prior to then, you know, what, what the mining companies just did was essentially just put a fence around. And this wasn't just a South African practice, this was an international practice. They just fenced it off and that was it. So now the DMRE has the budget and is now the one that is responsible for um, rehabilitating, closing off these ownerless and derelict mines. But clearly they're not doing so fast enough. I mean, you need to have a look at that Auditor General report um, in this regard. So it's the DMRE's responsibility to deal with these ownerless and derelict mines. But clearly current mining operations have the responsibility to, as they mine, do concurrent rehabilitation and make provision for closure. Um, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there's some 6.6 .6 billion odd rand that is sitting in funds for closure of the, some of these the operating mines. So that that is certainly what they have to do, but but also you know they need to go beyond that. What we say with mines nowadays, and and this is really the current thinking relating to mine closure, is that you've got to start the mine, but with the closure in mind. So as you're starting to mine, as the mine is actually profitable, you've got to be looking at making provision for closure. So within where the area that you mine look at creating alternative uh, economies, businesses, supporting alternative economies and businesses that are not dependent on mining. It's not that easy to do, but, you know, mines usually last for some some decades and, you know, decades plus. So with the requisite planning and, and, and putting in the measures, you can actually uh, put in place 
measures to ensure that you know post mining you at least leave behind a, a sustainable um, settlement or town that doesn't rely fully on mining. Pepela, I know that the Minerals Council has been very vocal when it comes to the issue of illegal mining. What are some of the initiatives that your organization is taking to, to, to help solve this problem? As you know, I mean, we, we've been um, lobbying for a specialized police force to look at um, the criminal activities that take place in mining. And, you know, so, I mean, I think already since 2018, we've been um, asking uh, for that. But for even longer, though, I mean, we have been cooperating with not only local, but also national police um, with combating, you know, illegal, illegal mining. Now, if you look at what our members are doing, the kind of those that are on the operational mines, <clears throat> they work quite a lot not only in terms of just protecting the assets, but also working quite a lot with the police to ensure that their mines are not infiltrated by illegal miners. And and, and I'm sure you know that the, one of the biggest challenges that we have in South African context, I mean, you can travel underground uh, from Randburg to Joburg city center. Yeah. You know, that's how interconnected these mines are underground. So it is really a maze of tunnels there. So, your your current mines, I mean, I know that they're spending an extra 25 billion on rand just on security measures uh, to deal with things like illicit mining. So they have to be very active in that regard. And also uh, they are very open to and do collaborate with the, the various um, disciplines within the police to deal with illegal mining. I mean, we, we support them with um, facilities, we, you know, with joint operational centers, uh, with equipment at times, with uh, know-how on mining, and, and are always very willing to, to uh, provide information also about what is happening. I mean, we need to get better at that ourselves in providing the police with a lot more useful information of what is happening, um, where there are instances of illegal mining. But as you can imagine, the, the the mining companies themselves are very active. I mean, to give you an example, uh, I think in the last um, seven or so years, Sibanya Stillwater has ejected um, over 7,000 illegal migrants from their mines. Wow. So, you know, the Minerals Council is very active with the with the police um, on the essentially on the lobbying perspective and getting the mines to collaborate with the police, um, trying to get them to spearhead. Um, certain initiatives, but you know, one of the things we 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 cannot um, disclose is really the details of what we're doing with the police, because you know, as the, you know, these things do take time to take to bear fruit. But uh, yeah, it's not the kind of things that you can actually talk about uh, at this stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One final question, uh, Tabello. It, this doesn't look like a problem that is going to go away anytime soon. So my question is, one, can there be an end to, to illegal mining in South Africa? And in your view, what will it take to actually bring these criminals to book? Because essentially that's what they are. They are criminals. I don't think, um, I don't think you'll have an end to illegal mining. 
um, that will always be prevalent. But what we really have to do is stop the rise of illegal mining. It is really a booming activity. So we have to take action to suppress its rise and also hopefully diminish it within the country, uh, bring it under control, so to speak, especially this industrial scale illegal mining or this violent, uh, uh, the violent component of illegal mining. And it's, you know, these specialized policing units are part of the solution to, to doing that. That's what we've got to be doing. Okay. Tabela Chabana, Senior Executive of Public Affairs and Transformation at Minerals Council, South Africa. Thank you very much for joining us on Deep Insights today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast channel for more Deep Insights. And for the latest mining news, features and analysis, log on to miningreview.com. Until next time, goodbye and stay safe.